What's up, everybody? Welcome to an incredibly late SmackDown roundup. My apologies. I like these to go out on Friday night rather than Saturday afternoon. However, I've been waiting to see this band called Midtown perform together here again in Los Angeles for like over a decade, and it was the one time they were going to be playing a full set. I had to see it. I hope you guys understand. Uh, I, I, I hate to be late on these roundups, but they're one of the bands that shaped my entire music journey as a teenager, adult, whatever. So I apologize, but we're here. We're going to talk about SmackDown. We're going to get right into it. The show begins with a literal car crash as Karrion Cross and Scarlett are shown in the parking lot dealing with the aftermath of being crashed into. And then Drew McIntyre runs into frame, attacking Karrion Cross. He slams his head into the car. Then he tries to uh, slam his head in the car door, uh, but he gets dragged away by WWE officials while yelling that this isn't over. And this was a great way to start off the show, I think, like I said at the top here, car crash. I like car crash TV, where it just kind of feels like, oh man, you can't look away because something is going to happen at all times. Every single segment being maximized, and I think that when you start off the show with something exciting like this, it gets my attention right off the bat. I have ADD. I'm not one of those people that says, oh, I have ADD. No, I have ADD. I was diagnosed with ADD, and so uh, I am someone who it's real easy for me to drift into looking at my phone. You know, you always hear that the that in 2022 in the entertainment world. TV is always kind of like fighting with the phone for people's attention. And so I'm the target person for that because of my ADD. Uh, I, you know, there's notifications, there's things popping up, there's stuff happening on my cell phone. It's very easy to just look down. But WWE, ever since Triple H took over, has done a good job of making sure that you don't look away, that you can't look away. You're going to miss things. You're going to miss things in the background. You're going to miss something. And so when you start off a show with a bang, I'm into it. And I think also when it comes to Drew McIntyre, for so long he's kind of been like this invincible Superman. And I'm digging that Karrion Cross almost seems to be chipping away at that and we're getting a more real version of Drew McIntyre. We're getting a less polished version and we're getting a guy who just wants to fight. We're getting that kind of like Scottish psychopath version of Drew McIntyre again, but as a babyface now, and I'm digging it. I like this feud. New Day then enter next, and they talk about how important their tag team title legacy is to them, uh, and it, obviously this is being done since the Usos are approaching their record. This was one of those things where I think, I mean... I don't want to say in the era before the title reigns weren't as important, especially history-making ones or you know ones that broke records. They still got mentioned, but I think that sometimes New Day gets painted as like not caring about titles. Almost they're like this fun-loving duo and you know or trio, excuse me. And when one of them loses like a singles title, they're never really portrayed as like gotta go back after it again. They're like just kind of like okay with it. So to hear them talk on TV about their legacy was was good to me. It was a little bit different because normally 
their legacy factor isn't as talked about on TV, but their legacy is important to WWE, especially modern-day WWE. They've been such a huge part of things. People love them. They're one of the most beloved babyfaces on the roster. And I think that you got to pay tribute to what they've done in the ring by, by, you know, showing off the fact that they've got this legendary tag title history record. Um, So, yeah, I I thought this was cool. I like this. You know, as silly as they normally are, I think it's smart to reinforce that they back it up in the ring as well. Next, Sami Zayn is shown backstage with Solo, Sokoa, and Jey Uso. And after some bickering between Sami and Jey, the duo get a call from Roman Reigns. I laughed here at Sammy's vintage ringtone. Uh, Zayn then tells Roman he's pretty sure Jay could have helped in their match on Raw like he was told to do, but chose not to. So Roman asks to talk to Jay. Sammy passes the phone to Jay, and Jay tries to state his case, but quickly backs down and hands the phone back to Sammy. Sammy laughs at something Roman says to him. Jay asks what he said, and he's told that it was an inside joke. He wouldn't get poor Jay Uso continually getting the the small end of uh, the stick. Is that the right term? I think I used that term right. Small end of the stick. I don't know if I'm using that right way. I'm going to Google this. Am I using that term correctly? I feel like... Um, let's see. Small end of the stick. Short end of the stick. That's a short, small, same thing. I think that still counts. Short end of the stick. Give me a break. I was up till three in the morning last night. <laughs> um, okay, so then after that, we got Sami Zayn versus Kofi Kingston. And this match saw Jay finally help Sami. The finish saw Kingston punch Jay off the apron. Then Sami rolled him up for a near fall. Zayn then ducked a trouble in paradise, but Kingston rolled him up. And Jey Uso sees what's happening here and kicks Kingston back to reverse the pin like he would do for his brother, which led to Zayn getting the three count. Now, here's what I liked about this. One thing I really enjoyed about this Triple H era so far is that like lots of stuff is happening at once. Like You'll see a segment that is building towards multiple things. Building up things, building towards things, reinforcing things. There's, there's lots of stuff happening to digest so first i'm enjoying this tension being built up between the usos and new day obviously usos and new day have had an an innumerable amount of uh, of bangers they're they're a banger factory those two teams but i think that with usos nearing new day's record new day having a feud with them makes all the sense in the world again they obviously want to stop the Usos from breaking their record. And like I said before, reinforcing their legacy and how important it is to the group. It's a little bit different than what we see from them. Normally we're seeing them be comedy, you know, I shouldn't say comedy wrestlers, but comical is a better way of word. They're more comical. uh, They're having fun. But to see them care and to see this feud with Usos that is, that is uh, a simmering underneath the surface. I'm feeling it. Also, Furthers the whole Sammy J bloodline stuff. Um, we'll get to that shortly on what Sammy says to Jay later. But I just think that it was cool to see multiple things happening here. I think that 
the moment of Jay actually helping Sammy is going to be one that's kind of like a, a pivotal point in this story, you would, you would think, because this whole time he's been reluctant to do so. But now he finally is acknowledging what the tribal chief says, and he is helping the guy that he hates. So I think this is going to be kind of important to everything that's that's going on in this storyline even if it's just for this one I don't think it's just for this one night. I mean, we'll see I mean obviously we see later but I think that like he's definitely going to have to help Sami Zayn now because Sami Zayn is clearly in uh better graces with the tribal chief than he currently is. Next, we had Rey Mysterio show up outside of Triple H's office, and he tells Hunter that he doesn't want to fight Dom and can't handle it every week on Raw, so he wanted to tell him man-to-man that he's quitting. Triple H asks him to walk into his office, though, and talk about it, so that's what they do. We're going to talk about the Rey Mysterio stuff later and the move to SmackDown, which I think is a good move. However, I do find it interesting now that we are seen Triple H slowly integrated as an on-air character again as being the person in charge of the show. He did the SmackDown premiere, then on Raw, he was shown as part of DX, you know, and, and it was alluded to the fact that he's running the show now. And now here we get him with Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio wants to quit to the boss, and they go backstage into an office so what do i think about that what do i think about triple h being the on-air authority figure i kind of like it i gotta say i kind of like it i think that triple h is really good at booking the face authority figure who doesn't need to be involved in every single thing happening and can be used sparingly when it's needed. We saw this with William Regal. We saw him do this in NXT there. William Regal, in my opinion, was probably the best authority figure we've seen in WWE in modern history. I loved everything they did with Regal. He demanded respect because of his past. When he was on screen, he had a sense of, a, of authority for real, it felt like, because you knew he was doing things behind the scenes. I think that he was someone I enjoyed each time he was used as a character to advance any story. So if we're going to use that same mentality for Triple H on the main roster, I think it works. I think it works even if he becomes the one to adopt the War Games cry. When it's finally time to determine who the teams are going to be. I think Triple H can be the one who goes, It's War Games! Instead of, the, It's War Games! I think we can switch it to Triple H being the guy who calls it out. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think an authority figure doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think it's good to have an authority figure on the show. I just think when it's abused or used as a crutch, it's bad. So if we're slowly integrating Triple H as that authority figure on the show, I'm, I'm super into it. Next, we had Roxanne Perez from NXT shown talking to Shotzi and Raquel Rodriguez backstage. And she asks if Raquel will face Cora Jade 
on her behalf in the Pick Your Poison match, which Raquel agrees to damage control, then enter the room. And Bailey says Roxanne is stupid for not picking her to be Cora's opponent. Roxanne says she would have, but Bailey hasn't been on much of a winning streak lately. And this sets up a match for later. We'll get to that. But I will say this. I like the way NXT is being integrated like this. I think that there is a way to integrate NXT with the main roster without it hindering anything. I think that there is a portion of the audience who's watching NXT, obviously. Obviously. So I think that little things like this might entice someone to then tune into this show filled with other Roxanne Perez's or Cora Jade's that they're not being exposed to right now. I don't think it's bad in the slightest bit. We'll get to the match itself, so I don't want to like talk too ahead of myself. So we'll get there. Next, we had uh, Braun Strowman versus two local wrestlers. While Braun is tossing the two guys around the ring, almost an MVP show up and walk towards the ring from the crowd. Braun then wins when he power bombs one of the wrestlers on top of the other one. And then Cole made me laugh by uh, calling them jabronis. Not often you hear Michael Cole referring to wrestlers as jabronis on the microphone, on the commentary. Uh, I tweeted saying that's how I know pro wrestling is back. But I was obviously joking, but it cracks me up. And I like little things like this. Like I do think that Michael Cole has been showing a little more character than we've even gotten to see uh, in his time with Pat. I'm interested to see how it's going to look with Pat uh, when he comes back. I think... Uh, you know, Cole has been fun with, with Wade Barrett, but he's getting a little more loose as he's kind of uh, free from the rules that he had set upon him before. We're hearing him call out promotions like Championship Wrestling from Hollywood on commentary. He's just like name dropping random promotions that all these people I'm sure didn't even think he was watching or have any knowledge of. But it's really cool to see this version of Michael Cole He's had a place in his career where he's been around for so long, and I do think that he hasn't gotten his flowers, and I'm, I'm I'm enjoying this new personality being shown from him. I shouldn't say new, just different personality being shown from him. He's kind of healing it up on Wade Baird at times. He's uh, throwing some comments in about the wrestlers, and he's not going full-blown heel like back in the day, but it's fun to see him just be loose and get to be Michael Cole how he sees Michael Cole on television. After the match, MVP got on the mic saying that Braun is an impressive specimen, but standing next to Amos, he looks normal. And then they tell him, don't get comfortable because some monsters are meant to stay in the shadows. Uh, Braun yells back as we go to commercial break. Good stuff here. Uh, This one was clearly something they were building towards. Now it's much more in your face, and I'm wondering if this means we're officially seeing Amas and MVP switch brands. I would like that. I think that there is a little bit of a... What's the right word? The the top of the card is a little bit light right now on SmackDown, and Amas can help fill that out. Obviously, he's not a main eventer, but (laughs) when you're that size, you're not on the... You're not really a opener either, and I think that Amos and MVP can definitely bring something to the SmackDown roster. All right, let's get to a quick commercial break, 
and then I'll be back for the rest of my thoughts on this week's episode of SmackDown. All right, after that, we had Sammy and Jay hyping up, Jay Uso hyping up Solo Sokoa for his match later. Uh, this one so funny. Sammy tells Solo to get the job done like he did earlier, and Jay gives him a sarcastic, you're welcome. Sammy says, for what? And gets frustrated by the fact that Jay claims to have helped him be the be the reason he won. Uh, Sammy says, for once, he'd like some credit. Jay tries to get Solo Sokoa to back him up, but Solo says he didn't see what happened because he was watching Sammy, and he could learn a lot from the honorary Oos. Sammy hypes up Solo for his match in the main event later for a shot at the IC title. This is so much... <laughs> I'm leaning so heavily into this Jay Uso, uh, Sammy Zayn stuff. It's so much fun. Solo Sokoa backing... Sammy is actually interesting to me because we saw, excuse me, we saw in NXT, if NXT is going to be more canon than it had been in the past, we saw in NXT that Solo Sokoa used to always talk about being by himself, how he was, how he had to do it, fend for himself, was alone, street guy, whatever, but it always felt like he was talking about being almost like an outcast from the Usos. It's what it felt like to me when I watched it. Then I saw an interview, I saw a headline where Solo Sokoa said he hadn't seen or spoken to Roman Reigns in like 20 years before rejoining, or before joining the Bloodline at Clash. So now that he's signing with Sammy, I'm almost wondering if, Solo's intentions are not valid, and we'll find out down the line that this was he just was kind of like getting in closer to to gain, you know, what he could from them, you know, selfishly, but that he never believed himself to be part of them because they always kind of kept him on the outs and couldn't even use their name, blah 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 blah, blah you know, something like that. I don't know, um. But I kind of get the vibe that maybe Solo is going to also turn on the bloodline at some point. After that, we had LA Knight versus Mansoir. I'm glad we got LA Knight as LA Knight now rather than Max Dupree. He's clearly energized as this character. Uh, Mansoir's gear in this match was very ridiculous. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I actually do still. I'm glad Maximum Male Models isn't going away because they are funny to me. I think Maxine is good as their new manager, and I I I, I laugh at the stuff they do. Like Masse on the outside was saying some pretty funny stuff throughout the match, and and I just the way they act is entertaining. It's like a new school, too cool, or something like that. I'm entertained by them. Knight eventually hits the BFT. For the win and after the match he surprisingly turns heel on the crowd saying he doesn't need a bunch of swamp dwelling incels to say his name this is one of those points where Masse made me laugh because he tells the crowd yeah you guys look stupid now huh you look stupid now LA Knight then says he's putting the entire roster on notice this is LA Knight's game I love this I love this. I think that sometimes, you know, because of the fact that LA Knight's been around for a while in various forms and various promotions, 
I think sometimes people underestimate his abilities. And it felt to me like this appearance was really his first time getting to show what he wants to be, what he what he envisioned his character as being on the main roster. And I shouldn't say it, it feels like it, it is because it's the first time he's really getting to be what, what he feels like his character should be on the main roster. And you could see the passion flowing through his body. He looked in the ring like a million bucks, sounded like he was an incredibly charismatic dude because he is. Um, and it was one of those times where you know, I know I've seen him for a long time, and he's been in NXT Impact. You know, I saw him in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, like which, like I said, got a shout out. But this was one of those times where I said, you know what, everything is clicking. This man feels energized. This is the this is a star. This is definitely a star waiting to to be made. Um, took him a long time to get there. Took a lot of detours. After signing with WWE way back in the day. But I think this is officially LA Knight's moment. I think LA Knight is going to be a big star in WWE after watching this. I was like, you know, I get it. I see it. It's not like I didn't like him before or anything. But this was one of those times where I went, man, all right, I see it. With this kind of push, with this kind of attitude, with this knowledge that he's had from all the experience that he's acquired over the years i think this is his moment i'm excited to see what the future holds for la night after that we had damage control versus shotzi raquel rodriguez and roxanne perez and this match did a great job of making roxanne perez also look like a future star future stars man it's so nice to feel like I'm watching a star-making show again. Every segment, I'm like, yep, that's how you make that person a star. Yep, that's how you make that person a star. Yep, I see it now. Yep, 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 yep. And that's what I'm seeing here in this match with Roxanne Perez. You know, the fact that she held her own with every member of Damage Control and kicked out of their big moves for the most part will do a lot for her in the long run. I don't know if the finish was a mistake where Bailey went for the rose plant, but then Roxanne seemingly reversed it, and then Bailey reversed that into a pin for the win. But even if it wasn't a mistake, the way Bailey covered for it, or excuse me, even if it was a mistake, the way Bailey covered for it made it feel like Roxanne is such a fan or, you know, such you know, so knowledge on the product that she was already able to do that and reverse Bailey's finisher. It will look, it it did make her look good in the end, the way they covered for it. And I think that like I, I in my opinion, I think that Roxanne, you know, really gained a lot here. This was, you know, for most people the first time they were even probably seeing her. And, you know, she's she is smaller than others, but I the way that she made up for it by holding her own with such seasoned veterans in damage control will really help her in the long run. People are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, how come you got mad when, uh, you know, you know, someone kicked out of the V-trigger? And But I think it's different. I, that guy wasn't a signed wrestler. It was on a B-show. It was... I just don't see... I don't feel it's the same. Because... 
Roxanne is someone who's already signed, who's someone that has already been on one of their shows for a while, getting fan support beneath them. It wasn't just some random indie guy being kind of like being have this happen out of nowhere in a way that didn't feel natural like this felt much more natural and i think that in the long run uh she she will be i will be vindicated in this thought because i think that the other one just didn't make sense in terms of what was happening there was no story to it there was no follow-up story afterwards this is part of a story that's going to affect something in nxt and i just yeah i think that this was Story-wise, this was done with a story attached to it rather than for no reason. That's how I look at it. Also, it's weird, man. Like, I saw Roxanne at uh, SoFi at the WrestleMania on-sale party when I was interviewing Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. And I remember we were talking and she was saying how crazy it was. It was like a big thing that, you know, she, you know to be, go, you know, go from... The indies and the stuff she was doing before, you know, other promotions, um, to now, you know, being at SoFi, this huge media thing. She was saying how, like, it's been this whirlwind, and I was giving her, like, the old person, life comes at you, pretty fast speech from Ferris Bueller. I was talking about just, you know, how eventually she'll get, she'll be really used to the craziness of something like this. And she was like, I don't know. Fast forward a few weeks, and now she is wrestling Bailey, who I believe is like one of her idols, and why she got into the business. So really cool. Uh, just it's cool to see how fast things actually happen for someone, and I really am hoping all the best for Roxanne Perez in her WWE career. Only twenty years old, can't even drink on Bourbon Street yet. Viking Raiders video package after that. Well, I don't know if it's a Viking Raiders video package. Because I know Eric suffered an injury. So I'm not sure if this is just like Ivar coming back for now. Because I think I've, I've talked about here. Well, I don't know about here. But I've talked in the past about how I think Ivar has massive potential as a as a singles competitor. Heel or babyface. And I, that's not to say I don't think Eric does either. But... When someone's injured, I'm always kind of bummed that their their, their partner can't wrestle. It doesn't make sense to me. I feel like you could still get use out of the other person rather than shelving both of them because of it. So with this, I don't know if this is just like a, a repackage. Or not, I shouldn't say a repackage because it's it's same vibe. You got the Valhalla talk, which is a Viking Raider Viking essential uh, conversation topic of conversation. Um, and clearly it's Sarah Logan who is in the package as well, who is Eric's wife. So I don't know because, you know, they weren't on the show. It wasn't that long ago while they were gone. But I don't know if maybe they're doing these video packages to wipe away the whole, like, new and vicious Viking Raiders vibe and go into a more authentic authentic way of presenting a Viking. And these are just being done to hype up the return of Eric too, but... If it's just for Ivar for now, I'm I'm still into that too. Following that, we had Legato del Fantasma versus Hit Row. Legato, new members of SmackDown with Zelina Vega as their manager. Stoked about this. Big fan of Legato del Fantasma. I see big things for them on the main roster. Um, Santos Escobar, so tight. Tag team. Also tight, Joaquin. They're dope. 
<laughs> Legato's dope. I think that I th- well. So first, I'll say this. So this was super fast. Uh, Legato attacked Hit Row before the match. Then when it started, they quickly hit their finisher for the win. And even though I was surprised this being so quick, it was at least smart to have their NXT history explained by Wade Barrett on commentary because I do think that I do think that the feud between these two teams was during a less hot period of NXT. I think that it wasn't quite the same NXT that had the wrestling world on fire, you know, on that lit the wrestling world on fire. That had everyone talking about NXT and wrestling. All the diehard fans, at least. I think it was a, during a period of just difference. And while it was entertaining, I do think that less of the audience is familiar with both of these teams. So we're not seeing quite the reaction you might think you would see for these teams. However, with the right buildup, they'll be back there. They'll be doing their thing. Um, and I think the people will get on board for it. Next, we had Kayla Braxton interviewing Sonya Deville backstage. Sonya begins talking smack about Liv Morgan, which causes Liv to swoop in out of nowhere and attack. She then puts Sonya down onto a table, climbs a scaffold, and dives off with a senton to put Deville through it. I'm interested in what's going on with Liv here. It seems like they're trying to give her a little bit of an edge, and so no problem with that after losing the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think it makes all the sense in the world. I just hope she doesn't go into like some dark, you know, scary, uh, you know, thing like that. That's what I wouldn't want. Um, I don't think that's needed at all. Okay, then we had Ricochet, Sheamus, and Solo Sokoa make their entrances for the Fatal 4-Way main event to determine a number one contender to the IC title. And then uh, since Karrion Cross can't make it, his replacement is announced as new SmackDown superstar, Rey Mysterio. It turns out that Rey took a deal from Triple H to switch shows so he could get away from Dominic and Judgment Day. And one thing that stood out to me here was just how Solo really didn't feel too out of place against all these guys, despite not having the same amount of experience or years in WWE as everyone else, um, which that, that's cool. At one point, Sheamus had a, had Solo in the Cloverleaf, but Jey Uso and Sammy ran in the ring to help out their fellow member of the Bloodline. Jay and Sammy then pounced on Sheamus ringside, which prompted brawling brutes to run out and save him this left ricochet and ray in the match alone and ray hit a wild reverse tombstone looking move as a setup for the 619 and the win all right now there's a lot to spit out there uh about that match but um i i i like I like that you know the the work rate title is getting built up as such again. These are all Ricochet, Sheamus, Rey Mysterio, um, work rate guys, guys that you know kill it in the ring, guys that are workhorses. You know, guys that put on bangers when called upon to put on bangers. So 
I liked seeing all these guys in a match together. And I like Ray being on SmackDown now. I think that I wasn't disliking the Dominic Ray stuff. But I think, kind of like I, how I had been saying already, like, the Judgment Day had been kind of doing the same thing with the same people for a long time. And after they, you know, handle the Beth uh, edge thing and they kind of finally have that one last match or maybe we get I'm, I don't know once they finally finish this edge stuff um there I'm I need to see something new from them and I felt like Ray was kind of making it feel the same for months or for however long with weeks I'm I'm in I'm I'm okay with with Ray and Dominic kind of being split up now and Dominic kind of becoming his own superstar and moving away from the Ray feud for a little bit so that he can kind of feel more comfortable on a show without his dad for a while and then they can, you know, reconvene and, and, and face each other at WrestleMania down the line. I don't see anything wrong with that. Also, dude, Ray versus Gunther, that's going to be awesome. That's a dream match that I didn't know I wanted, but geez, Gunther just chopping the hell out of Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio reversing his powerbomb into a 619. It's all going to be awesome. I'm super into that. It's going to be a weird clash of styles, but I love that for the Intercontinental title. I also do believe that we needed more baby faces at the top of the card on SmackDown. I felt like we were a bit, there was a bit of a void uh, in that part of the roster, and Rey Mysterio does fill that. Give me, I, I'm, I'm also just like a Rey Mysterio mark, whatever, sue me. <laughs> also, I really think that uh, I, I, I have this like weird feeling, I shouldn't say weird, I have a feeling that Roman, that after Logan Paul, Roman's next challenger for the titles is going to be Sheamus. They're baby faces now, the Brawling Brutes, and they're already setting things up with the bloodline. We had the fight here with with Sheamus and, and then uh, the Sammy and Jay and then Solo getting involved and the Brawling Brutes coming out. We're already slowly building towards it. And Sheamus versus Roman Reigns is one of those matches that we haven't seen with since Roman has become the head of the table. Sheamus is a former world champ. Like I said, banger after banger after banger. It's time. It's time for that match. And Sheamus is red hot right now. Didn't win the IC title. So what better way as a consolation of that? Put him in a world title program with the head of the table. All right. Lastly, we're here. We are at the end of the show. We are at the part of the show where Bray Wyatt comes out for a promo. Now, my fiance wasn't watching this. And my best friend, who's going to be my uh, best man at my wedding, wasn't watching this. But they're both huge wrestling fans. I was going to the show with my best friend last night, the the concert that I went to last night. And today, I was telling my fiancé about the Bray Wyatt stuff. This morning, while I was drinking coffee, and both, when I mentioned that this was Bray Wyatt out of character, they were both shocked. Like, one by one, two different people, when I was like, hey, did you see the Bray Wyatt promo? They were like, no. And then I was like, man, it was out of character. They they were both like, no, what? Bray Wyatt? What do you mean? He just said thank you and, like, thanked the crowd and was, like, just talking to them like like a normal person? I was like, yeah. They were like, man, that's that's insane. 
And I I also thought it was insane. This is not what I expected after all the white rabbit stuff. I will say this before I get into everything that Bray Wyatt did say. There's a lot of talk on the internet about this whole possibility of like a Wyatt Six faction. And I don't think that's what's happening. I don't know that. But I, just from like watching the shows, I haven't gotten any indication other than initially from some of the teases that I maybe misread. I haven't gotten any indication that there's going to be a faction. Yes, I know he sh- appeared with the, the real-life versions of the, the Firefly Funhouse characters, but I just think that was symbolic of him kind of moving on from the past, and now he's more of this normal version of himself. So I wouldn't get my hopes up for a Wyatt 6 horror faction. I think we're getting something new from Bray Wyatt. I think we're getting the closest version to Wyndham, that we've seen of him in WWE. And that was evident in this promo. So he uh, tells the fans that, if, you know, well, first he comes out, the, it's a very long entrance, playing a full new entrance theme, which was awesome. I need WWE to release that theme because it sounds sick. I want to hear what the full song sounds like. I believe it's Code Orange again doing his song. And it looks to me now that the blue door popping off and him walking through it is is a part of his entrance. I do think it's a nod to Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee, and what he was doing in AEW as the exalted one when he was coming back. I do think there's something to that. It just looks too similar. And they were close. And he even kind of mentions his passing in this promo because the lights go out, Bray Wyatt's door is on the stage with the light behind it. Comes out, place is going crazy, dude looks jacked, don't know what Meltzer was talking about, doesn't look fat, <laughs> he looks jacked, uh, tells the crowd that he's grateful uh, and nervous to be there, said that this was just him, and it's a version of himself that he never got to introduce us to, got to introduce himself to, uh, but this was him being himself for the first time, why it was emotional, and said that he lost a lot of things over the last year of his life. He lost his career, his self-confidence, and two people who were very close to him. He said that he thought that everything he did never mattered to anyone, but he was wrong. I was in my car watching this because I had just parked at the concert, and at this point, I was already getting a little emotional. I was getting a little emotional. He's talking about loss, and it was on the day where my brother, my my. My brother who passed away years ago was on his birthday. It would have been his 40th birthday. And hearing him talk about loss of life and losing all these things at the same time definitely hit close to home. So I was feeling a little emotional while watching this. Um, but then Wyatt said he was done feeling sorry for himself. And once that happened, he saw people that thanked him and asked him when he was going to come back home. And he basically said that, you know, for once he needs to let everyone know that, like, you know, they've thanked him for for what he's done and how it's helped them. But but he needs to let everyone know that that they saved his life, too. Um, And I thought that was really cool to hear him say, you know, you don't hear Bray Wyatt talking very often as just what appears to be Wyndham. And uh, you could see, you know his vulnerabilities here for the first time and you you could relate to the things he was saying. 
Um, he said, you know, you wouldn't let me alone. Every time I tried to run and hide, you were there to find me. But then the lights go out. In this, in this emotional moment, he's got us all. We're right there with him. We're like, holy crap, this is just Wyndham? Like, what? But the lights go out, cuts, video plays on the big screen with that new Wyatt mask. And uh, the distorted voice said to come with him because life is over. And then it, said, it also said, you have no idea who you're dealing with, but you will. Uh, and then uh, that Wyatt family sound having new logo appears on the screen, and it's done. I don't think anyone expected that to be what you what you heard from his promo. Like I thought it was going to be something more cryptic, something like the old Bray Wyatt, especially he's in he's in Louisiana, New Orleans. He's going to act all swampy again. But nah, dude, like this was just the guy, and this made me just want to root for him. Like I don't know if he's going to be a good guy. I don't know if he's going to be a bad guy. I don't know what the deal is, but I think. I genuinely think that we're going to start to, I think we're going to get this version of Bray Wyatt. And I don't want to say like the healed version of Bray Wyatt, but like a Bray Wyatt who's learned how to control the demons in his mind. And maybe they come out sometimes, but not all the time. I'd be into that. Like I thought the Fiend should have been, uh, you know, super boss. I never thought it should have been Invincible, but it should have been like his big boss, kind of like Finn Balor used to do with the Demon. And I'm almost wondering if now, you know, I saw there's like a trademark for Uncle Harper that WWE did. And I'm seeing this door thing, and I'm almost wondering if this other character who's talking to him like that is almost going to be a, I don't know, if that's going to be the Uncle Harper. And it's almost like, Another part of his brain talking to him. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I'm kind of talking to myself now at this point. I'm talking it out in my mind. But, man, like, I was emotional watching this. Like, I, I want to see more of Bray Wyatt like this. Granted, I like when someone is deep into their character. I love it. I love it when someone is so deep into their character that they're not even texting their friends back. They're just, they're living it. They're living the gimmick. That's hard. That's a crazy situation. Like in acting classes, they tell you not to do that. But some people do it. Wrestling's a different business. Wrestling's a different beast. I think people, I tweeted today about how people, you know, give so much credit to actors who are in, you know, method actors who never get out of their gimmick. But I was like, man, you know, like how often do you see wrestlers or excuse me actors that are living it 24 7 like this in a healthy way it's interesting to me so man i just i'm just happy bray wyatt's back i'm so happy bray wyatt's back you know like when you hear someone who you have all the respect in the world for someone who has entertained you so much when you hear that they lost their self-confidence or didn't think that they were going to get to you know create again in this sandbox it, it it makes me sad you know because that that shouldn't have happened but i'm happy he's back now and i'm very intrigued to see where this goes each time he's on tv more and more intrigue comes about so i'm looking forward to see where this goes on smackdown but i don't think it's leading towards a faction just my two cents all right i'm done i gotta go i'm hungry I'm a little hungover, don't tell anyone, <laughs> but I got to go, uh, so make sure that you, well, just in the meantime though, make sure that you 
uh, are subscribed to this podcast. Leave a rating or a review if you can. Also, subscribe. Excuse me. Subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw and SmackDown every week. That's where you can find Out of Character with Ryan Satin premiering every Wednesday on video and more. There's clips. There's stuff in the community tab. There's a lot going on there. So go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. And make sure you're following WWE on Fox on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're all over. So make sure that you are following us on all of them. All of them. You. Go follow. Everywhere. Now. (laughs) All right. That's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another SmackDown Roundup.